third down and 20. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the third and 20 dynasty podcast. We're on episode 33. This is going to be our second and last episode before the NFL draft as will be coming out right around when the NFL draft is starting. So this is probably going to be the last one you're going to hear before the NFL draft happens. Um, what's going on guys? What's up? Great. You know, Not too much. excited for the draft. You that know. draft seems about to be hilarious. I, uh, I like the challenges on that or the punishments. I, I kind of buried the lead though, boys, into our news and notes. Um, we are we are proud new parents. We have our own little dynasty team that we bought. Uh, it was an orphan dynasty team. Uh, we're going to go and try and rebuild this team that had abysmal, abysmal players and assets. Surprisingly, the eleventh worst team that was rated in the league. There's there's a team that's way worse than theirs, which we don't even want to talk about. We're the eleventh worst team. We're going to try and document ourselves turning it around, and how we're going to do that is through a Twitch live stream. We we're officially on Twitch. We started our first Twitch yesterday. Uh, this will be a couple days, um, before, a couple days ago as you're listening to this podcast. Um, it, was, it was pretty fun actually. We had a few viewers going back and forth talking strategy, what we should do, how we're going to rebuild this team. So if you want to follow us, follow us on the third and twenty Twitch. Um, we're just going to be talking dynasty football. Maybe sometimes we'll be rebuilding this team, you know, walking through what we think should happen. We're going to put out blogs about it too. A lot of content coming out of this one team. Uh, you guys got any thoughts about that? We're going to freaking take the world by storm. We're going to rebuild the shit out of this team. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, we've already made some moves. We're just gutting it from the inside, but I'm not going to dive too deep into it. Let the content speak for itself. We have already made like four or five moves. We're quick quick with it. Um, luckily, it is a trade-heavy league. It's just a random league that Frank found on Reddit. Um, so we're just playing with other Redditors, I guess, and we're going to see if we can actually put our money where our mouth is. Theoretically, of course. Um, no money's spent. Um, but yeah, so moving on. Um, we have a few segments. <laughs> depending on where you live you can't gamble so uh of course we are not gambling on this uh we are not putting money on we would never no just Uh, pride and happiness is what's going on so um, depending on where you live yeah sure so (laughs) moving on we're going to move on to our next segment it's the late round targets we're going to talk about players that we think can be available uh that you could draft Pass around 306 in a 12-team Superflex League. Um, what guys we're looking to buy? Does anyone feel strongly about any of them? Anyone want to go first? Man, no one wants to go. No, no late-round yeah. targets here. I know. You guys are soft. Any takers? Any takers? I mean, listen, I, I'll be down to carry well, the I'm, segment. I was going to let you guys get some guys out of the way first, though. I'm following up my draft board right now. Okay. I mean, okay. 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 There's there, there's one there's one I got. There's one I got. Okay. So if this guy falls, obviously tight end in this draft is kind of like an elite tier prospect, and then there's like a fucking canyon. Like there's just like like the biggest cliff ever in terms of like drop off from number one to two. But if you're gonna take the chance on anyone if he's available in that second half of the third round, Brevin Jordan is someone I like in that range. Um, he's no guarantee to, like, be, like, a star. Like, obviously, there's a reason he's available that late. 
But if there was any tight end after Kyle Pitts that, at least in my opinion, I think you guys agree, that has the highest chance of becoming fantasy relevant, it's him. Um, he has a very low floor, but I think he has like a decent ceiling if he can kind of grow better as a football player. Uh, but he's someone I'm looking at at like the end of the third round, especially in tight end premium leagues. Yeah, he's a jag. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look at our, our most, aren't most of the end of the third round guys jags at that point? Yeah, maybe the one. Like Jamar Jefferson's going end of the third round. He's probably I mean, not going at the end of the third round, actually. Like, well, we'll see what happens with draft capital and everything. But I've seen Reddit leagues where he goes like mid second. Like, he might not even crazy. be available after. After, dude, go ahead, please take him in the mid second. Jesus. I mean, yeah, I'm fine with people taking him that. Um. I guess real quick, instead of just saying having blind hate towards Brevin Jordan, one of the reasons I don't like Brevin Jordan is because if you look at his athletic profile, there are just not really tight ends that produce that have his athletic profile. And when we're talking about players that now I haven't got into the Brevin Jordan tape hard. I have just watched Miami games and he's not necessarily popped off the screen. I was actually going to go over tight ends on stream, but for Brevin Jordan to be out of the Jag range, given his like his relative athletic score and whatnot, he was really going to have to do something special because the only tight end that has had a below average relative athletic score and had like even a Pro Bowl appearance, we're not even talking about elite level production, we're talking about a Pro Bowl appearance. 750 yards even is um is uh jordan reed that is the only person in the past two decades at the tight end position with a below average ath- relative athletic score to do that brevin jordan falls in that below average range i'm surprised what's I'm up surprised jordan reed got a below average athletic score i'm pretty sure he was hurt um when he came i mean the dude's been oh hurt it's because for... of his injuries okay. yeah like years and years and years the guy's just been perennially injured but even players like zach Ertz, who were not necessarily groundbreakingly athletic have a much higher relative athletic score and you look at their overall profile kind of fit the more just overall tight end build compared to brevin jordan so um it's funny you're gonna hear frank the film guy going off of analytics, but this is, to me, kind of an analytics play. I don't think his draft capital is going to match a level where it's worth an investment and his, his athletic score is even worse. So, to me, he I'm I'm staying away from him at any pick, third round or above. That's just me, though. Fair enough. I mean, I'll take the next guy if we're, we're done with the Brevin Jordan train here. Go ahead. This guy actually went above our three, 306 in our mock last week, but I think he will fall a little bit to the more, you know, commoner drafters out there. I think Nico Collins is just a fantastic, fantastic pick. He's he's a big wide receiver from Michigan, and I just think he fits all the things you could look for in, a, in one of these, you know, later rounds, you know, dart throws just because his, he's an athletic big wide receiver – and he just makes plays, and he you you saw that you know watching his tape last year at Michigan. Um, so he's a guy that I know Frank loves, and that's why he went higher in in our draft than I think he will in most other drafts. Which so I'm breaking our 306 rule here. But what do you guys think? I like Nico. 
Yeah, I think he's I mean, probably going to go before 306. I completely agree. No, if, if you can get Nico Collins from 306 to the end of the third round, a thousand percent draft him for all the reasons Jake just said. Um, I expect him to go kind of top half third round, but if he's available, then a thousand percent I agree you should take him. I, again, I think, you know, draft capital is the situation he lands in is really going to affect his draft capital here or his draft position here. I'm sorry. Um, but overall, he's a guy that I definitely like. And even the beginning of the third round, like Frank took him in our draft last week. Um, so keep an eye out on him. I wouldn't be surprised if he fell past like around 306. Not, yeah, not I'm not saying much. I wouldn't be surprised. No, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just saying because I would take him top half third round. Like that, I'm with Jake where I think, and you where I, I'm high on him. Um, but so at any point in the third round, I'd be good with that pick. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to last year because I think he's a pretty similar prospect to like a Van Jefferson, right? Where Van Jefferson, um, like you look at his build, his testing was pretty damn good. He has some pretty good tape. He went in the second round, but still kind of fell towards that middle to end of the third round in most drafts. I think that Nico Collins could be a similar guy. I think that if he gets the same draft capital that Van Jefferson did, because he's, I think he's a little bit more like a physical kind of prospect. And I think it's easier to buy into him. Like, okay, well, he he opted out and the situation he was in at Michigan was crap. And he looked so good at the senior bowl that there might be a little bit more of a hype train behind him. But yeah, I, I, I struggle to see him without some serious draft capital going in the second round, unless you got some numb nut like me who's going to reach on him. <laughs> um, I'm going to go next, though, and this is a guy that I haven't necessarily dove into a ton, but the more I get into him, the more I really start to fall in love as a fourth-round, fifth-round kind of prospect, and that's Trey Nixon at a UCF. Um, I'm pretty sure this is another opt-out kid. You know, he went to UCF, so he was kind of overshadowed by Gabriel Davis in this offense, but at the same time, like he's he has the measurables. Um, I think he had like from the little film I've watched, he looks pretty good. And then the price that you're getting him at is just really, really nice. He he kind of checks all the boxes of a dart throw that could really have some serious upside. He I think he is a little bit on the uh, yeah, he's a redshirt senior, so he's a little bit on the older end of the spectrum, which you kind of don't like to see, but. I you know for for the price that you're paying, I imagine he he's probably gonna have like a fourth or fifth round ADP unless he really goes high in the NFL draft. Maybe he sneaks into the end of the third, but I don't think he really goes over the Brevin Jordans and the Pat Fryermuths even. So I think this is a guy that has fourth round steel written all over him, and he's a really high quality dart throw at the end of a draft. Um. Okay, I, that was kind of unexpected for me to bring uh, you bring him up. Um, was that one of your guys? Did I steal one? No, no, I I have my guy locked and loaded. I'm just is he, is he even going in in the like is he going in the fourth fifth round? I don't even know if he's getting drafted right now. Oh uh, yeah, but I don't think anyone's doing like serious serious rookie drafts. I think most people draft after the NFL draft. So yeah. Yeah. I think that that he's gonna fall somewhere between rounds like four to seven, and I don't know. I, I, I he's one of those kids that like you talk about the guys that seriously got screwed from like the whole COVID year. I think that he's kind of one of the prime candidates of a dude that's gotten screwed. 
You know, I, I think that in, in a normal season, he would like him and Nico Collins would be getting a lot more hype. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i just really kind of stunned by that one. I did not expect that. I mean, I've heard of him. Uh, I think that that is a decent dart throw at the end. I also, He's a true dart throw. Yeah. True dart throw. I, I also are, have. Are you, are, are you taking him in the second half of the third round, or is he someone you'd no, wait to No, 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 no. I would – like, he's the kind of guy that with that 503 we have in our rebuild league, or maybe even a 406, depending on where he goes in the NFL draft. I think that he's one of more of those picks, maybe even a 508. It really okay. depends on where, because there are a lot of guys that I like that usually go very late fifth or undrafted. Darno Mooney was a guy that I was trying to pick up in leagues and, and his ADP ranged anywhere from late fourth to mid fifth. So, I mean, 503, I think I, you can realistically expect to get him there unless because with dart throws, it always is. If, if there's one guy that really likes a dude, it doesn't really matter if you reach a full round in, in from the fourth to fifth round of ADP. It doesn't really matter. Okay. I also have a wild dart throw for you guys. I don't even know if he's going in the first five rounds, probably like end of the fifth. Um, but I'm going really out there. I know Luna said tight end Brevin Jordan really cheap that you could get him. Are you saying the kid from Iowa? No, no. I'm saying Kenny Yaboa who Luna should know, he used to play for Temple, actually. He uh, transferred while Originally, he was going to play for Baylor. Then he went to Temple. Then he transferred to um, was it Ole Miss this year. And he had a very good game against Alabama. Do you guys remember that game when, like, Ole Miss was, like, just – it was just, like – Had a sick senior bowl, too. Yeah. I think he's my favorite tight end at the senior bowl. Yeah, yeah, he is a senior, so uh, Tinder Girl JT is, like, not, like, in love, but, like, at a fifth-round pick. Like, come on. Like, you can't get much cheaper. I'm willing to pull the trigger on that one. Um, he is – what is it? He was one of the top tight ends in yards per catch, actually. Um, behind Brevin Jordan, I think, was the only guy ahead of him uh, for 2020, which is interesting because Kyle Pitts is there. Um, but, yeah, he, he's someone that I just think is a, a decent dart throw. Ole Miss uh, – Played well when he, when he transferred. He was originally recruited by Baylor, so you know he's got at least a decent profile. His athletic profile, like Frank was mentioning, is kind of – it's on the lower side. It, uh, according to Ken, Kent Lee Platt, it's a 5.93, which is a lot higher still than Brevin Jordan, but it's like middle of the pack. I think it's at like that minimum – not minimum yeah. amount, but towards that minimum amount. That you, I think it's high enough to where you can say, you know what – yeah, it's not as high as I'd like, but considering the fact you're picking him up in like the fourth or fifth round, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So uh, that's my random dark throw late round target. Uh, do you guys have any more late round targets you want to start throwing out? Yeah, there? I'll um I'll match you guys with another tight end. Kenny Yaboa was actually one of my tight ends because he's the kind of guy that, like I said before, I'm more of a film first, analytics second. Because he's on that lower end, I – I would like to come out, but I like his film and what I saw at the senior bowl enough to kind of put him in that, okay, fourth round pick, I'll draft him. The uh, A tight end, though, that I'm really interested in, and I think he's been rising on, like, NFL guy scout boards. I'm starting to hear some rumblings on, like, the NFL draft subreddit and stuff and, uh, and some of, like, the Twitter scouts, and that's Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. This is a really interesting prospect. I think that the NF, I think he's going to go a lot higher than people realize. 
I mean, you talk about an athletic score that Kent Lee Platt relative athletic score, 8.91, one of the, I think it's top three out of all tight ends or top four out of all tight ends this year. Um, I mean, he goes to Notre Dame, so a pretty good tight end pedigree there, uh, like just producing tight ends year in and year out. So you know he's getting that high-quality coaching. Um, I haven't really grinded a ton of the tape on him yet, but at the same time, if you were to do a rookie draft, I'm not sure Tommy people even know who Tommy Tremble is, let alone you know the fact that you're, I think you're getting a, a legitimately good prospect at the very back end of the draft. I mean – the only other tight end, because I'm not really a huge Brevin Jordan guy, I think the only other tight end that would be a, a tier above him is arguably Pat Fryermuth. I can understand why people like Brevin Jordan, but I think Tommy Tremble is going to be a guy that rises. I don't think he's going to rise enough, though, for him to not be worth uh, a fourth-round pick. Uh, again, another random one. I, I do – also like this for, for the reasons you mentioned. Um, I have another one that I want to throw out. If you guys another tight know. end? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm the wide receiver guy here. I throw out a lot, a lot of wide receivers. I've um, been waiting for one of you guys to mention my guy. Your guy? Well, I'm about Who, to mention Jaden Blue? No. Uh, <laughs> once I say it, you guys are uh, I'm saying Tamari on Terry. Is that who you're talking, Linus? No, I was talking yeah. about a quarterback. Oh, oh, why? Well, okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. To Terry's from FSU. He was, he he didn't test well. I had him up kind of higher. He, he like his pro day was kind of bad. He it was weird because he took time off too to prepare for the pro day, and he still didn't do that well testing wise, which is going to drop his stock. Like I'm not entirely sure where he's going to get drafted in the NFL now. Before, I was kind of hopeful that he might be a day two pick. Now I'm pretty doubtful that that's going to happen, which does hurt him drastically. But that's going to be reflected in his rookie draft stock, right? Like he's probably was like a middle of the third round pick uh, before. Now we could probably get him in like the middle of the fourth round, I would assume, somewhere around there. Um, he's like an alpha kind of deep threat guy. Like, his average depth of target for 2021, according to Matt Gajewski on Twitter, was 13.3 yards, which has him right around the likes of Jamar Chase, Tylen Wallace, Jalen Waddle. He's, he's like right in between all those guys. Like Jalen Waddle's a little below him, Chase is a little above. He, he's in that zone. And it's the kind of, you know, type of wide receiver that you want to have. Uh, so again, I'm in like the fourth round. I think that's a worth a dark throw. All right, Lunas. I've got a bunch of receivers I want to say, so why don't you say one? Uh, I was going to say quarterback, um, Kyle Trask. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys may have heard of him. <laughs> All right, Linus, you're done. You're done. <laughs> no, de no, dead ass, though. Like, if, if, he's, if he's available at the end of the third or early fourth, you can't tell me there are that many guys you would take in terms no, of just no, outside. I'm not saying that, like, you made a bad decision. I'm saying that you talk about Kyle Trask every episode. <laughs> I purposely didn't pick him in hopes that one of you would. Like that's like I, I purposely picked Reverend Jordan. I, I was hoping that one of you guys would say it instead, but no one was saying it, so I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll I'll bite the bullet. But no, if he's available at the end of the third, like just off upside. Man, I got a lot of I receivers that I still really like as dart throws. Um, also, there, there's another there's another receiver I really like. I said it in our uh, chat the other Josh day. He's from Palmer. Tennessee, and I'm forgetting. Yes, 
he's someone that I like, especially if he's available in the fourth round. He's a receiver I like a lot that showed a ton of flashes in the SEC against good corners. Yeah, he also had a pretty good senior bowl. Yeah, Josh Palmer's on my radar. So I've got a couple other guys that I like as dart throw picks. We'll probably end up picking a bunch of these guys in our rebuild league because we're going to be. Do we know what that draft is, by the way? No. It's going to be determined. Probably like three or four weeks from now, I think. So some of the guys, I'm just going to list off a couple of guys that I like and then go into the dude that I guess I'd take over all of those, all of them. So like Trayvon Grimes, Lunas' Florida boy, I think is a guy that that showed some decent promise. I'd be looking at him possibly. Shy Smith, South Carolina guy, Shy can fly. I, I still like Shy Smith. Um, you know, you got some other guys, Austin Watkins I talked about the other day. I have some problems, actually a lot of problems with his overall like athleticism, but in terms of a receiver and strong hands, the dude's got it. But the dude that I'm going to end up picking is a dude that was overshadowed by Tutu Atwell at Louisville, and that's Desmond Fitzpatrick, the more true outside receiver at Louisville. I really like what I saw out of Desmond Fitzpatrick on film. I think that he actually kind of popped out just as much as Tutu Atwell, just not as much as that vertical threat that Tutu Atwell is that's so coveted by NFL teams. But Desmond Fitzpatrick seemed like a better all-around receiver, actually. Um, This is a guy he played already at the Senior Bowl. And lastly, his athletic profile is very good compared to some of his later-round peers, especially some of the guys that I mentioned. So Desmond Fitzpatrick, as like, you know, JT loves this, as an alpha-wide receiver that you could pick up in the fourth round of your drafts. I actually think he's going to go in the fourth round of most drafts. Um, I really like the potential upside of a Desmond Fitzpatrick, especially if he gets into a good system on a team that needs a wide receiver. I really do think he could step up as a team's wide receiver too pretty early on in his career if given the opportunity. Watch his uh, game against, I think it's Virginia Tech he plays against. Um, that that I do I do like about. I mean, I think he might just go undrafted in some rookie most rookie drafts. I feel like, but yeah, he is someone else that I definitely would be willing to toss a dart throw at. Put him on your taxi squad. Just hope something happens with him. All right, you guys got anyone else? I, I want to say running back. I feel like we've been disregarding the running backs. Um, well. Okay, yeah, you go first, yeah. Well, I, I've been saying it about every freaking episode, but I, I really like um, Khalil Herbert. He's a guy that might fall past, excuse me, 306, that I, I think has got second-round talent. I guess the last one I'll go for is um, – I haven't really done a lot of film on this guy, but Jake Funk out of Maryland. Jake's Jake Maryland guy. Maryland. Yeah, Jake Funk, he's interesting. Um, I'm pretty sure he has something interesting about his backstory that I can't remember off the top of my head. But there's something interesting about it. I think he was like a really highly rated prospect that just wanted to play for Maryland or something. I'm pretty um, sure he got hurt and like missed like two years. Yeah, or something like that. Something along the line. But he tested really well. Uh, like I said, like running backs, dart throw running backs are always weird. I feel like you're you have a better chance of being an undrafted back with success than a guy that goes in like the seventh round. But Jake Funk is a guy that I would keep my eye on if he goes into a situation that I like. The the two guys I would throw out there 
who we've talked about a little bit, and they're on very opposite ends of the spectrum, are Ramondre Stevenson and Javian Hawkins. Um, I'm not really sure what's going to go on with them and with the real NFL draft right now in, in the rookie drafts. Like, sometimes they'll be in the third round. Sometimes they won't get drafted because normally I only see they, they go through three rounds. So that's, you know, probably right around where they are getting drafted. And I, I just think that if we're doing dart throws, both of them uh, would be good targets, especially with Ramondre Stevenson. Like, weight was a big concern, but he actually came into the pro day and everything, like, much much leaner than he, he was playing at. Like, he was playing at, like, 247. And I think he came in at, like, 220-something to the pro day. Or, uh, no, sorry, senior bowl. Um, yeah, those are two ones I just throw darts at. All right, are we good to move on then? Can we then? take Island Hill in our drafts in our first three rounds? I don't think so. He's the one that fluctuates everywhere, too. Yeah. Island Hill's an interesting guy. I, so. I like Island Hill. A ton of, the, a ton, a ton of those late-round running backs, I'm just going to be looking for a base off landing spot. I think like one of the problems one of the problems I have with Kylan Hill is that I really don't think I'm getting that elite level upside. He, you know, I feel like he's what people no, want but that's Lamar Jefferson to be. That's why you're taking him in, you know, the, the fourth and fifth round of a rookie draft. You know, yeah, but I've up. seen him. He's sneaking up into like the second round ADP and a is lot of actually, like that surprises me a little bit. Yeah, like late second. I think he's got a better ADP than Trey Sermon, which just kind of baffles me a little bit. I mean, if we want to, if since none of us threw out like a true dart throw quarterback, I can throw out one aside from our usual like Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask stuff. Davis from Stanford. Yeah, Davis Mills, but Davis Mills to me is like, I think he's all right. But people know about Davis Mills, and they people know about this guy. But I recently rewatched his tape, and I was actually really impressed. And that's Sam Ellinger out of Texas. Oh, Sam, like. He's nothing crazy, but in terms of a guy, I mean, he, he kind of has all the tools. I feel like he has the arm. His release is definitely not as sexy as some of the top-end quarterbacks, but I think it's it's all right. It's enough. Um, I think his accuracy needs to improve, but he's a guy that can run. He can throw. He, he played really well, especially early on in his Texas career. So in terms of like a, a quarterback that will probably go undrafted, or, or very late, like a fifth-round pick, right? Um, Sam Ellinger, he's a, he's a possible possible guy. I, I don't think I'm, I would necessarily spend a pick on him unless I really needed a quarterback. But if he went undrafted, I, I'd throw a shout at, at Sam, Sam Ellinger. Are you a fan of Jamie Newman in the fourth or fifth round? God, no. I'm not touching <laughs> Jamie Newman. Yeah. My, my thing about quarterbacks, I'm though, not, is – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Liz. Uh, no, I was just going to say I'm not a crazy fan of his, but I just know he's kind of, like, viewed as, like, that next QB, I think, like, QB8 after uh, Davis. Yeah, you want to know what Jamie Newman is, Lunas? A jack? The bait. He's not oh. even a jack. He's the bait. The bait. My, my okay. thing with quarterbacks, though, is, like, I, I feel like it's the one position that the NFL, like, typically has figured out like i've talked about before if you're not a first round quarterback and typically like a first half of the first round quarterback like you're not gonna have success like i get we're in a super flex league and you know there are outliers like uh 
Tom Brady over here. I'm sorry, that hurt me to do too. But <laughs> like, there are outliers that like get drafted in the sixth round. But like, the overwhelming majority are first half of first round is, is where they were drafted. Those, those are the guys that started. I mean, you're not wrong in the sense that most starting quarterbacks come from like the first round. Like, I know the statistics behind that, but also the NFL drafts a lot of first round quarterbacks that are just full on. Well, that yeah, I I'm not advocating that every first I think round they quarterback have probably the biggest bust rate of any position in the first round. Yeah. Well, I don't know the facts on that, but I, I, I feel like quarterbacks bust the most theoretically if we're talking about that. It's, like, it's also because they're the most like notable busts. Yeah, yeah. The, the the thing is though, like there's a very notice, noticeable difference between quarterbacks that are drafted in the first half of the first round to just like even the second half to a hundred percent like the second round. While wide receivers like Wide receivers that are drafted in the first round compared to wide receivers that are drafted in the second round, there's not really much of a difference unless you're talking literally the top five picks, which is like, I think AJ Green might have been. I don't even know if AJ Green was, but like, you know, before. Yeah. Yeah. But what if you took out all the receivers that the Eagles and the Patriots drafted? Well, okay. (laughs) With the Patriots, like Nikhil Harry was a first rounder. What other first rounders for the Patriots? I'm being a huge homer right now, though, but like, the Patriots just draft those guys in like the third, fourth round, and then they have, end up sucking. And everyone's like, "Oh, they can't draft wide receivers." Yeah, well, they're he drafting wasn't a third, fourth rounder. round guys. He yeah. wasn't a first rounder, but Aaron Dobson was a second yeah. rounder. Yeah, Aaron Dobson was a bad one. Um, they're not good at drafting wide receivers. I did see just quick cut in right now, maybe a little bit of a plug. We're going to be. I, I know I mentioned that we're going to be on Twitch. Uh, we're going to be live streaming the draft, and I just saw that. Pete Schrager from the NFL came out with a mock draft where the Patriots not only draft Devontae Smith, but they traded up to do so. And that'd be amazing. You guys would be, <laughs> I think I that might be literal tears. There'd be literal tears of sadness if that's what the Patriots went and did. <laughs> but I'd be so happy. I, I could guarantee right then on the spot that Devontae Smith would be a bust if, if the Patriots trade up to pick him. <laughs> Um, I know that's completely off the rails of what we were talking about. Do you guys have any other late round dart throws targets that you guys want? Who's <laughs> cracking up over there? Um, I, I think we can move on. I'm sorry. That was just, I need to get that off my chest. Um, I'm moving just laughing on. at how funny that would be. Like, would that, be like, if I could witness that live, <laughs> that would well, be amazing. You can I mean, witness better, it. Live. I think it's better than like. Like, that's better than, like, 99% of the punishments. Seeing the Patriots trade up for Devontae Smith. Not to give too much away, but we do plan for this draft live stream. Uh, We're going to have some takes, and we're going to have punishments that we can either hand out if we got the takes right, or we're going to have to do if we did them wrong. Uh, You know, there's going to be a lot of funny ones. Um, I'll give away one cracking a couple eggs on your head. Um, could be one of them that we'll see. Of all the ones to give away, you give away that I one. I was going to say, you, that, you, that is, that is you don't one of give the ones the good I'm ones. Like least scared about. No, That's you don't want to give away all the good ones, though. We've got, we've got some pretty good ones that might be happening yeah. to us. Um, you'll just have to tune it into the stream. Um, moving on, though, we're talking players that can be helped from the draft. Like, as in players that we want to buy before the draft because we think their value will be, like, it will go up after the draft. Um, who wants to take this one? I think you do, JT. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, not of you seem like you want to do it. 
All right. Well, my guy is someone actually uh, that I've been trying to buy for a while. It's T. Higgins. And the reason being, I think a lot of people are afraid that he's going, like Jamar Chase is going to be going to the Bengals. And I personally don't see Jamar Chase getting drafted by the Bengals. I just think like, you, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a Joe Burrow picture where they showed his knee and just like the scar on his knee. And if that's not a reminder for the Bengals to go out and protect your like supposed franchise quarterback, I don't know what is. I think even if they do draft Jamar Chase, T. Higgins' value will take a hit by perception. But I think T. Higgins is still going to be fine on the Bengals if that's the case. So, yes, the Bengals might take Jamar Chase, which will hurt T. Higgins like perception-wise. But I think from a pure fancy output, he'll still be fine. So e- either you're kind of breaking even where you were or you're gaining the value because the public expected the Bengals to take Jamar Chase and the uncertainty that's baked I, into his price. I agree with that. And also people need to realize with Jamar Chase, we brought it up in a previous episode, but AJ Green got 102 targets last year. Those targets are going to go to someone. Which, which um, is crazy to think that AJ Green had 102 targets. He felt like yeah, not like, existing most of the time. There, there's more than enough to spread the ball around. So I agree with that. I have one, and this is someone that I've warmed up on way more this offseason as I've gotten to be able to review how his season went. Um, and I'm, my favorite players to buy are kind of rookies that didn't live up to expectations. So my pick is Jerry Judy. Um, and again, he's not, I'm saying this isn't someone who's going to be cheap per se, but it's someone who I think his value next offseason is going to be a lot higher than it is right now. Um, last season, I, I got some numbers for you guys. I got some numbers. Let Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. 26 uncatchable targets, which was most out of qualifying receivers. And 24% of targets incomplete because of the quarterback, which is the highest percentage in the NFL. So, I, if you had had me guess right now, I do think the Broncos are going to come away with this first round with a quarterback. And if they don't this year, it's guaranteed for next season. Is this a buy Jerry I, Judy I, or a sell Drew Locke? <laughs> well, Drew Locke, I'm, I'm just I don't I, know. like, what are you getting for Drew Locke though? I don't know Nothing. what you're getting for Drew Locke. I'm not buying Judy. I'm not buying Judy. Maybe yeah, like we know JT. Yeah. I, I know. I, 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 I I think he suffered a lot from his quarterback play last year. Um, we, I just said those numbers, and I think they're going to either bring in – I think there's a decent chance they get a quarterback this draft, and if not, I'm a 1,000% sure they will next offseason. And I think this is the lowest you're going to be able to buy Jerry Judy at in his career. I, I think that's the bait, Lunas. I think you took the bait. Although you you got some you got the rookie wide receiver I do think didn't perform to expectations that does have the opportunity to jump. I think Rager would be that guy. Oh Rager? Yeah. No, I agree too. Um but I just think Judy is the higher ceiling. He's the bait. He's the bait. Because there's so but many Jake, people Jake, are saying Frank, that. What do, Jake Frank, what do you guys think about Judy? I like Judy. That's a potential buy. I mean, you don't gotta convince me on Judy. Like I, I wanna buy him in a league. It's just the the price the on him price is still tag. high though. Yeah. yeah. Like you you still gotta pay like a mid first again, most I'm, of I'm the time. I'm not saying he'll be che- again, I'm not saying he'll be cheap. I'm just saying this is the cheapest you're gonna get him right now. That's yeah, I thing. agree. I think that to get Judy though, there needs to be enough factors going your way because 
you know, you if you if you look at his stats and you look at his film, like yeah, he had some drop issues, but like it really wasn't a bad season for Jerry Judy. Um, I just think that when you have Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb kind of have better stats and have a bunch of flashy plays, you have like the the Jerry Judy owners just kind of sitting there in the corner, like, hey, where's my where's my stuff? And I think that that's kind of the perception around Jerry Judy right now. But most most smart owners that have Jerry Judy realize that they're they're not going to sell unless you you overpay for him, and it's going to take because realistically, what Jerry Judy should be worth a late first, early second, and most owners aren't taking that form right now. So to trade into him, it's just kind of awkward. Like, how do you get that done? You probably have to trade into him with a player. Like, let's say you're giving up a Justin Jefferson and you pick up picks and, and Jerry Judy, but then is that even worth it for most teams? So I just feel like it's an awkward time to kind of trade for Judy. I think if you can do it, it's great, but, eh, you know. It does depend on the maybe. owner. I would definitely give a late first for Judy, though. I would, too. I'm not. But I said my point piece on that one. All right, Jake, you're giving you... a, Jake, are you giving a late, last comment on it? Jake, you giving a last a late first for Judy? Not really. I, I like. I love the talent. I I love him personally, but I just don't. I don't see the situation in Denver not being murky anytime soon. And I, it's just something that I think I'd rather stay away from here than. And buy in. I I think starting this season, like starting this season, he's going to be the third guy, the third target on his team. Uh, I mean, there's going to be Sutton and Fan, and then there's yeah. and then him. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, obviously the the. I think he has a high. The Judy field. owner saying he's he's the number one target. I understand what they're going to say. He's not right now. But no, like, right now. give him some time to develop, and it might be. But at this point, I I just don't see that offense being productive enough to support Sutton and Fant and him and Melvin Gordon in the backfield and, and with, with Drew Locke under center. It's just not an offense that I'm looking to really buy pieces from. I'm buying Fant, but that's just me. Um, okay. Uh, Jake, Frank, who, who do you guys have? I got another guy that was an underperforming rookie. Um, price tag's still pretty high on him, just like with uh, with Judy here, but it's actually Tua. Um, I just think the I Dolphins, they have so many picks in this draft, and they are going to significantly improve the depth on this roster and the weapons that Tua is going to have at some point. Um, even if they go offensive line in the first round, I, they have so many picks. They'll, they'll get him weapons to pair along with, you know, uh, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and, and Gasecki here, which obviously is not a great set of weapons. But, you know, a lot of people have him taking either Pitts in the first round or Waddle and Smith and even, maybe even Jamar Chase if they stay at six. So they're going to get help for Tua. This offensive line is going to get better with some of these later, you know, second, third, third-round picks here to improve the offensive line. And overall, I just think they kind of ease Tua into – into that into last year they let him start on the bench they eased him in they even like obviously people like oh we got bench so you got bench well yeah because you know they wanted to have ryan fitzpatrick just gunsling the ball but i think they're going to open the playbook a little more for him and really 
let him loose another year. People forget that he had a major surgery, not, you know, right before the NFL draft. So, like, uh, give him some time. I think he's going to take a big step forward this year. And for the price you can get him at now, with what's going to happen in the NFL draft from the Dolphins, I think he's a great buy. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say him too. And you basically just had all of my reasoning as well. So, I agree. Um, Frank, who are you thinking? Man, this is a tough decision because I had a lot of guys that were racing through my head. You know, I was looking at guys like Gaskin because I think I was Gaskin, say him too. Yeah. even if they draft a running back, I think he could have a good role, but I didn't want to go with him. You know, obviously you got the Ragers and, and even like the Colts wide receivers. A lot of people think they're going to add a wide receiver, but I think buying him now, you could buy him low. We talked about him last episode. You know, there's plenty of guys, but there's one dude that for some reason I just can't – I can't fathom, and I, I actually really like him. That's Damian Harris for the Patriots. Ooh. I think that this Patriots team, we all know they need to invest in their offense, you know, whether that's a quarterback or receivers or whatnot. But there's almost like one staple to this team right now, and there's two players actually. You got that damn right tackle you all drafted last year and Damian Harris. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a single Patriots fan or a person that watched a Patriots game last year and said, well, that kid's not very good. He didn't play hard. He didn't really help this offense out. Um, I I still think this is going to be a team that has that power running identity. We've seen them adopt that when they struggle to move the football through the air. And considering they re-sign Cam Newton, I think even if their passing game increases, they're not all of a sudden going to become – the 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 Chiefs or anything of that nature. So they're still going to have this power running identity. They brought in tight ends to do so. So while the, the players that might be drafted to the Patriots during the draft may not directly benefit Damian Harris, I think that getting any semblance of an offense around Damian Harris could really, really drive up his value. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a low-tier RB1 that you can get for like an RB3 price right now. I agree on Damian Harris. I know everyone's scared of the Patriots' backfield, but I think that also, it's not just on the buyer's end, but it's on the seller's end, too. Like, the seller will take that into account at the Patriots' backfield. is kind of like you never really can trust it a thousand percent. But I thought he was clearly the best back on the team last year. And at least as, like, a pure runner. Like, if you want to argue James White is a receiver, sure. But I'm just talking as a pure runner. Um and I just think they have a ton of needs on their team where they're not going to draft a running back anytime early. Uh, so he's someone who I think everyone, and for like a fair reason, is scared of the Patriots' backfield. He's someone you can get cheap that can be like a pretty solid RB2 next year. Yeah, I just think or of all play. running backs, he is one of the only very fairly priced running backs right now. For good or for bad. You know, you look at any one of the other top rookie backs, right? And they're all incredibly overpriced, other than probably James Robinson. But even James Robinson, you realize, oh, this is an undrafted guy. We've seen this happen before. They're, they're right? impossible to buy. So um, They're impossible to buy. Yeah, it's just, you know, you, you saw the same thing happen with Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay looks great. He seems like a do-it-all back. There are a couple of concerns. I think James Robinson's better than Lindsay was, but still, you gotta, you got to pay more. Um, but... I, I mean, even at the running backs that are around Damian Harris, some of like Ronald Jones or 
I think Kareem Hunt might be a bad example because I think we all know that Kareem Hunt is more talented than Damian Harris. But I, I feel like if you offer for Damian Harris, you're not thinking of offering first. And I don't even think the people, the person selling Damian Harris is expecting first-round draft capital to sell. But you offer an early second or a combination of picks if that team, uh, let's say they're not the strongest team. I mean, even if they are the strongest team. Like if you offered Odell Beckham, you're probably getting Damian Harris. Uh, like, am I, am I wrong there? Or what, what do you guys think? I mean, about I think that? You'd, you'd probably expect more than Damian Harris. In you get more. Yeah, you get Damian Harris and another piece. So it, it, I feel like if, if you need a running back, because in a couple of my leagues with my draft strategy, I need a running back. Damian Harris, after like gauging the market, seems to be the only guy that is worth the picks giving up to get him. What's the highest you would pay for Damian Harris is in terms of like an individual draft pick? Or what um, do you value him around? Okay, well, that, that's an interesting question for a couple of reasons. First off, it does depend on what happens with Trey Sermon and Michael Carter for me because I still really like them. Um, that's very true. Now, if the world was a bunch of me's and I had to draft against a bunch of myself, I think that I would give up like a good 204, 205 for Damian Harris. Really? Maybe even 203. That's higher, than, that's higher than I thought. But that's because that's exactly around where I would be drafting. I think it's fair. I, I would probably, I'd probably have Damian around like a 206. So pretty similar to you. I like Damian Harris. He showed a lot of flashes last year. I, I guess. I mean, I. JT, you're you're the Patriots fan. Yeah, you're the Patriots fan. I, I mean, it's cliche and it's baked into the price, but it's so hard trusting the Patriots running back. Like, I agree, Damian Harris has definitely looked as like the best core uh, running back out of any of them. But at the end of the day, like, it's a Patriots running back, and still Bill Belichick, and still Josh McDaniels, and like, how much can I really trust him? And they draft a running back like every two, three years anyway. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't this year. I don't think I would want to give up one of those early mid seconds for him. I would look, probably look to package a late second with either a few another future pick or a, a meddling player almost and see mm-hmm. if I could get the deal done that way. Let's say um, they need a receiver that a guy I'm trading with really badly. Well, then I'll try and package some random ass receiver with with a pick not a random ass receiver you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. yeah just a flex player mm-hmm. you guys want to do like a quick two two round around the horn just random players that you think might be helped like i'll shout one out right now i, I think lamar Who i like that him? one yeah i mean they're the worst wide receiving group in the league so <laughs> Can't yeah, you can worse only worse. It, can't worse. it can't get worse. Yeah. All right. But, like, just say the player and, like, let's move on. So, uh, we could go Frank next. Oh, geez. You really had to pick me next. Right, um, <laughs> I can go. Uh, yeah, Joe you Burrow. Go. Joe Burrow. Okay. Joe Burrow. I think they're either going to get him an elite tier offensive lineman or a whole new weapon. Jake or Frank? Matt Ryan. Okay. Whoa. Yeah, if he gets Pitts. Pitts or Sewell. Yeah, true. I think it really helped him out. Uh, Let's see, let's see, let's see. I don't know. I I think Josh Allen. I really do. I think the Bills just stack up on that offense some more. 
I guess. I mean, at his price, though, he's quarterback. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not it's not really. He's, he can <laughs> still go up. He I can guess. still go up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one more, but this is more of a. Oh, can I say? Actually, I have another one. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's kind of an obvious pick. Like, we all know who they're going to pick, but I think he's going to actually have a really good year this year. Uh, Corey Davis. Oh. In New York. Really? Okay. I I think with a rookie quarterback, they're going to draw up a ton of plays to go to the number one receiver. Uh, I think he's going to end up being like the guy he trusts the most. And Corey Davis is the number one receiver. I've said this before, and this is kind of off topic, but it's kind of a Corey Davis rant. But like, I liked Corey Davis in the role he was in, where he was that number two guy. Now that he's the number one guy, I just think he's going to be a jag. I really do. I liked him firmly behind A.J. Brown with Derrick Henry in the backfield behind him. It's the It was the perfect situation for for Corey Davis, and I really I don't, I don't expect much from him on the Jets, to be completely honest. Yeah, I'm also not very confident that Zach Wilson will be playing to the level of Ryan Tannehill, um, especially right out of the gates. So, if you ever oh, no, no, not that. Yeah, but think about it like this. Not, you, not that level. In a lot of trades, you can get Corey Davis almost as more of a throw-in than an actual oh, yeah. guy. Yeah, I mean, there's – I guess we're all under the assumption that he is the wide receiver one. Like, it's not Mims. It's not – is Crowder even still – I think Mims is so overrated. That's I, me, though, I like. don't like Mims. Seems like we're an anti-Mims podcast. Uh, dude, I watched 13 Jets games all back <laughs> back on the All-22. Only their offense. And I'm like – like, he made a couple good plays, but I feel like he wasn't drafted what – he wasn't doing what he was drafted to do. Like, he was – it was almost why I didn't like Michael Pittman, right? Well, is that an Gaze issue or is that a pit, uh, a Mims Dude, issue? you can, half the NFL is running the same damn scheme as, as Adam Gase right now. They all come from the same damn coaching tree. So, like, if you're going to complain about his scheme, you got to complain about McVay and and Shanahan and all of these guys. Frank, you you did just bring something up though that I think could be a great idea, and that's one of our punishments could be uh, for the hot take ones. If you get it wrong. You gotta watch an all twenty-two, just every single game of the Jaguar season, and, and come back the following week with a report on what you saw. <laughs> just you have to watch it straight, straight through. You're watching sixteen games or however many are available on the all twenty-two, oh God, so and you come many. back all with a report. Yeah. You could go back all the way into like two thousand nine. <laughs> well, let's just do sixteen. You're giving us sixteen so game report on the Jaguars and what went wrong. Football. Yeah, that's probably. Four, that's probably like two days. <laughs> well, you cut out commercials and everything. That's not true. It's probably, Still, it's nah, probably it takes days. a while. It takes a lot yeah. longer than you think. Um, yeah, that would be awful. Um, I did have one guy that was kind of more of a wish than than an actual. It's Brian Edwards. I just hope this is his breakout year. That was all. I want to throw that out into the universe, and maybe there's people listening that are believers like me. Um, I like Brian. Yeah, Edwards. the Edwards family. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Edwards. Um, okay, so we're, we're going to take this and move it on to our next segment. Um, we are talking the older wide receivers. What are we doing with them? We're talking Julio Jones, Adam Thielen, Jarvis Landry, like those kind of guys. What are we doing with those guys? So I you think know, I think it's hard. Me. I was going to say, I think it's hard to just – answer that straight up because I feel with receivers like that 
it really all comes down ultimately to the position that your team is in. Um, whether you believe that you can really win a championship this year, if you think, hey, I'm decent, but I'm not like the top contender level, or just if you're rebuilding in general. Because I think all three of those are different approaches, with probably the latter two being more similar. Um, veteran receivers like those. First off, if, you, if you're if you a rebuilding team, I feel like this should kind of just be common knowledge, but some rebuilding teams just keep them. You should trade those receivers like that to contenders and try to just pick up picks or um, young players with some value. Uh, if you're a contender, I understand trying to move off of that older receiver. But at the same time, like, if you think you can win it all, like, that's ultimately what matters at the end of the day. Like, okay, who cares if you have they, if they have to die on your team? Like, if they help you win a chip, it's worth it. I do have one thing I want to say on this because I think it does depend on the player. So if you have a player – because you could use the same argument for Adam Thielen at the, at the end of two seasons ago. Like, when – and then this year he, he has a wide receiver one year, right? Um, so I, I think it does depend on, on a couple of factors. One, are, are they actually going to play for like another two or three seasons? Because yeah, you can assume that a lot of guys value will go down, but if you have a dude that has a potential to be an Adam Thielen where he's going to play for another three seasons and he could be playing at a wide receiver one level, well, then it might not be worth selling low, even if you're a rebuilding team, because you could just wait until halfway through the season with a couple of injuries, and then all of a sudden you might be able to net a first-round pick for a guy that you couldn't even sniff a first-round pick for during, like, the all the rookie hype and stuff. So I think that is one thing. So, like, when we're looking at some of these players that we listed, I think that Julio Jones, Adam Thielen, and Landry, Landry would be the only guy that I realistically could see having that bounce-back-esque wide receiver one year out of that group. I think Julio Jones and Adam Thielen could be really good, but most owners would say like, oh, well, they're just so old, I'm not going to pay for it. I think that Land. I also think the other thing is too is that Landry has that play style that doesn't necessarily rely on elite athleticism um, to 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 get catches. You know, he he's almost more of like an advanced slot than he is um, than he is like that true alpha dog number one receiver like a Julio Jones. So I, I think that is the one thing I would consider before just saying, oh, I'm selling everyone. Like, hey, if they have a legit chance of increasing their price in a couple of months, you might as well wait and, and just go for the risk. I I agree with Landry. I lump OBJ in that too with the Browns. I, I do. I'm Baker Truther, I think, at this point. So those would be guys I do like. Um, but if I'm able to, like, I just checked, Keep trade cut. It's the it's the you know crowdsourced one, so it is a it gives you a general idea of what people are likely accepting and stuff. A twenty twenty three late first, what's assumed to be a late first for for these guys, which is what it, it says they're roughly worth. Like, if I could get that twenty twenty three first for any of those guys, I think I'm probably shipping them off. I've um, tried. It's very. It's almost yeah. Julio, I don't think you're Julio would be the tough one. He was like the the lower one. Um, that was listed of those guys. So I, I think even with Thielen too, just because Justin Jefferson's there, 
whether or not Adam Thielen is actually the wide receiver one or will get more targets doesn't matter anymore because Justin Jefferson is there. And that narrative has already been pushed and is baked into people's minds, which is then baked into the price. True. True. I think what we get a little too caught up in our league, like Frank, you're in multiple different leagues, but I feel like our league does like to hoard picks um, more than most other leagues. Like we, we've seen in the, in the league that we're currently in, people are kind of letting picks fly left and right. Um, for I also players. think they have a lot of newer dynasty players, though, and I think that's the thing that a that's lot true. of newer dynasty that's players true. do is that they'll say – because one of the things they'll do is that they'll go into the dynasty subreddit and see everyone say, oh, well, picks are overvalued, but then they'll go around and undersell their pick. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where it's like they'll – because they see a bunch of people saying that oh that picks are overvalued, whether they are or they aren't, then they'll go around and say, oh, yeah, well, I'll give up my first for Adam Thielen. Now, I'm not saying that always happens. I think that is a trap that people can fall into, though. Picks are only undervalued until it's draft time, and then they're just overvalued. That's just I think the picks are valued. Pick. Picks, I think that one thing that people need to understand is that picks are riskier than they expect, but I really don't think the picks are overvalued all that much. A, if they're overvalued, A, just don't trade for them. B, like, dude, if that pick pans out, you're not getting a superstar for cheaper than that. You know, look at Josh Allen, right? If you picked up Josh Allen, especially in a super flex league, if you traded up two firsts to get him, you com- you destroyed that trade. You couldn't you could not fathom trading Josh Allen for anything less th- than like four first round picks, unless they're insanely high caliber first rounders. So like I think that people saying that picks are overvalued, like, yeah, maybe some of the more mid to late round picks where you start getting that that hit rate starts really going down. But in terms of the top five picks, in most years, the top five picks have a pretty damn good hit rate, and that hit rate transitions into superstar players for the most part. I mean, I think that just brings us into our next segment, no? Like, right? Like, our next segment was going to be trading picks before the draft. Is that smart or is that stupid? Hmm. Let's just jump off right from there. Personally, I think, because I've been passing off these segments, I'll take this one. I, I just think, like, it increasingly goes up. So, like, the time to buy picks was probably at your trade deadline when you realized your team wasn't going to, like, be playing well. But, like, now we're just in that time period where the, the price of picks are just going to keep going up and up and up, and they're going to climb until, you know, you have your rookie draft and then that happens. And then those players' values will probably go down a little bit until the, senior, uh, the, the season starts, and then they'll go back up. So what I'm trying to say is, like, in – until your rookie draft happens, the price of these picks are just going to keep going up. Uh, the only issue I do have with that, though, is like if you're buying like around where the tier break is, you are playing that risky game of like, say you pick 110 and you're chilling at 110 and all the players that you wanted go before, like the people that are willing to move up, uh, the, the pool of those people is going to diminish greatly because, you know, some people expected like, oh, this guy, I know he needs a quarterback, like, Trey Lance is going to go to that guy, and, and Javante Williams is going to go here. So that means I'm going to be able to get Jalen Waddle at 110, and then you see Jalen Waddle gone, and you know no one behind you likes Rashad Bateman. It just becomes like that issue of you're you're playing with fire when you're at the tier breaks. 
but otherwise, I, I think buying picks before the draft is never a bad idea. I, I do think you can out you you can trade your team into like you can trade DeAndre Hopkins into Jamar Chase with hopes that Jamar Chase becomes DeAndre Hopkins. Like I, I think that's where you get into issues. Like you're giving up your definite studs for players that you're you know could be questionable. Although I love Chase. But do you guys see what I'm saying? Like where that issue arises kind of? Yeah, people just assume that all these top prospects are immediately going to pan out into the next established star. So they don't have a problem trading away, like you said, a DeAndre Hopkins or a Devontae Adams, someone along that caliber to get that pick that's going to end up being Jamar Chase because they're like, oh, it's fine. I just slide Chase right into that role. And yes, I think Jamar Chase is probably one of the best prospects at wide receiver we've seen in a very long time but there's still absolutely no guarantee he's as good as either one of those guys for the next three years i'm probably the biggest jamar chase truther here but like sammy Watkins was a hugely talented prospect i mean there's no guarantee like you said nikhil harry was a yeah. top four pick and not yeah. super so, flex, and not super flex. Wait, but before we before we change the subject, JT said something that I thought was really smart, and I, I was going to actually mention is that I do that a lot. Uh, shut up, JT. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should make that could be a clip. <laughs> so you said something about um, trading down, like I, I, I maybe you said it, maybe I don't know. You said something along the lines of basically it's like trading down during draft day. And there is – I've been in a couple drafts where I've looked to trade down, and I've seen other people on forums, whether it's r slash dynasty or whatever, saying, oh, well, on draft day, that's when people get the most crazy and will offer you the best offers. I have actually not usually found that to be the case unless you have a pick that is in extremely high demand. Um, let's – so – Let's just take pick 202, for example. And I think this year is a pretty decent time to do it. When you're sitting there at 202, and let's say you really wanted Terrace Marshall, and Terrace Marshall goes 112 or 201, and you're sitting there at 202, you don't like Rondell Moore, you don't like Rashad Bateman, you don't want to take any of the running backs, and you try to trade down, a lot of the time, those same people will think the same as you. Or the guy sitting at 204 or 205 or 206 where you want to trade down to is saying, hey, I've got five guys that I want. I'm fine with taking any of these guys. So then you're sitting there at 202 with a pick you don't want that you know you can trade down. It's just people aren't offering it to you because you're on draft day. So all of a sudden you're kind of sitting there. I don't, I don't know how to put this without being a little vulgar, but you have your, you know, your thing in your hand. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> and you're like, shit. What do I do? What do I do? Who do I take? And then you just kind of reach on someone. Um, I, I think that is a problem that you can find yourself in if you try to trade down picks that don't necessarily have huge demand or right after that tier break, and you try to do it on draft day, thinking, hey random league mate number three is just all of a sudden going to overpay for this pick. I think a similar thing can almost happen if you're trying to trade down one of the very tippy top picks and almost for the opposite reason. If you hadn't been shopping around that top pick until the draft, people might be thinking, Hey, this guy only wants overpays. 
So you're either getting people that are drastic, they're just giving you bullshit offers. They're just giving you like, okay, here's Corey Davis in the third to move up four spots to 101. Or they're thinking, oh my God, the price is so high that it's not even worth it. I'll just sit here at 104. So I think that trading picks before the NFL draft might be a little hasty, but if you're looking to trade down, I would shop and shop and shop and shop. And I wouldn't say to myself, oh, I'm only waiting until NFL draft. If you get a good price, you get a good price. It doesn't matter when it is. Kind of going off that point where you could probably get more if you're trading before the draft. Same thing goes with trading up. And I can speak personally off of the last couple of rookie drafts I've been. Like offers that I, I like, like offers that I sent for a specific pick trading up pre-draft. I've had in the past two drafts done been accepted draft night because the draft board plays out a little bit different than that person expected. Rather, they think, oh, okay, I can move back. The guy that I want is either A, already taken, or I can move back two spots and still get my guy. Um, a lot of times on draft night, like if you find yourself like, oh, do I really want to overpay for this trade up? During the draft, there's like a there's there's a chance that like that person's mind changes just how based on how the board plays out if it goes something unexpected and it ends up being like oh you wouldn't have had to pay as much or oh so you're like, saying that the it, price it, of a trade up is cheaper in your opinion on draft day not always a thousand percent but from my personal experiences I've seen I've had multiple six situations where it was because the board played out different than that person who had that pick envisioned like yeah. pre-draft they already had someone specific in mind going at that spot and who was going in the spots before and when stuff goes different they could say either for their person already got picked and they're like oh, okay just give me value or b they're like oh i can trade back two spots and get the guy i still want yeah and those those I, were in like I, the the late first early second right mm-hmm. yeah exactly what were you gonna say jake sorry yeah correct mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying yeah i'm kind of agreeing with what you're saying i mean i think it typically what you're saying happens when a guy panics, basically. You know, he panics and goes, oh, uh, the guy I wanted is gone. Now what? And then he just wants to do anything to move back two spots or three spots, four spots, whatever it is, to, you know, move back to a spot where he's more comfortable taking the next guy that he wants to take. And so he panics and sells you for a lower price. And I think the same thing happens when, I mean, we saw it in our league where, with Pittman, Frank, I mean, I think you sold him for like, or bought the pick for like a first round pick because you were so, so high on Michael Pittman. So like, I think if the board falls the right way, I think you do get the opportunity here for an overpay. But I think it's more likely than not that the the owner just panics because it's not who he thought is going to be there. I, I just think you're playing with fire. Unless you're literally pick 101 and you know exactly like what you're getting... You're playing with fire, assuming that who you want is going to be there, and you don't really have a backup plan in place. Because you could be that guy sitting at 107, 108, thinking Kyle Pitts is going to follow me. Uh, all these guys need quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. And then someone goes, you know what? I'm not passing up on this value. That is Kyle Pitts. I'm taking Kyle Pitts at 108 in the Superflex League. Like, And then what are you going to do? Now, now you don't have Kyle Pitts, and it's not like there's a comparable tight end that you want to draft that's like right behind Kyle Pitts. Um, so you're gonna have to do best player available, but then you probably don't like the best player available. That's probably why you were hoping for Kyle Pitts. And so you're just digging and digging and digging, and you're just gonna be in your own grave at that point. Um, so I think you just gotta have your own plans. You you love these analogies, Jake. Um you guys got anything else? 
I think that might be it for him. Um, I, I do, and JT, I do agree with your point. If, if, you, if you're trying to just buy a first in general or you don't know where the landing spot is, getting it in season towards the deadline is the cheapest you're going to get it, like as further away as fans as possible versus like as you get closer and especially around the draft, the rookie fever just goes up for everyone and those picks become more pricey. Well, another thing that I've always said is that once someone can say, hey, this pick is going to be one of these five guys, I think it drives the price up because they know what they're trading for. Yeah. You can generally exactly. say, okay, pick pick 107, it's going to be one of these five guys. And you can go, I'm okay with all five of these guys, no matter who it is, I think that's worth trading for. So, like, once you, once you can put a face to the pick – it drives the price up, and once the the face that you're putting to that pick has a certain situation, aka the NFL draft has happened, and you know where he's going to be playing next year, it drives the pick up even more. Just because then they know exactly 110 percent one they're going to get one of these three guys in these three situations, and it's just it that's the most expensive you can ever buy a pick is right then. All right, I completely agree. Anything else? Or are we good to sign off? Kind of a short episode for us, but I don't know. I, I think that's not really a bad thing. Um, we'll, right. we'll have we'll have a ton of draft content coming. Once again, reminder, we mentioned it throughout the pod, but come to our draft stream. We'll have it that Thursday night, that Friday night, and that Saturday night. It's going to be funny as fuck. Um, and also just a good time. We are going to be doing a lot. So it's, yeah, it's Thursday, you get a ton of I was just going to say, you'll get a ton of fantasy insight with every pick. Yeah. Um, all right. Like and comment, subscribe to us on YouTube, rate and review us on any podcast platform you listen to. Come join us on Twitch. We're going to try and, you know, maybe not every day, but uh, hop on there for a couple hours just to chop up some fancy talk with each other. Maybe look at that team. If you guys want to see how we're rebuilding a dynasty team, I think that's a pretty interesting com- uh, concept, a cool idea. Um, that's all I got for you guys, though. Episode 33 in the books. Thank you, everyone. See you guys.